0: Hello, once again, welcome back. It's Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com, part of the 24 7 Sports Network, early on a Thursday morning to recap everything that happened on a surprisingly eventful and uneventful Wednesday. Maybe certainly turned out this way, though. Um, more news that may be anticipated, but good news all around by and large for the basketball teams, the football teams, and here to help me discuss it all. Chris Anderson, Chris. What was the update like for you?
1: (laughs) It was kind of nice. Still got to get used to that. Um, You know, with February, it's just, hey, it's signing day, it's signing day, it's signing day. And kind of we're on our toes a a little bit there for a while. Um, We'll talk about that in a little little bit after basketball. But, uh, you know, things went as expected, pretty much right on cue with what we talked about uh, in the last podcast and what I previewed in, in our VIP piece on the board for signing day so in the end no real big surprises
0: which is perhaps surprising in itself which means you're lying <laughs> but i get what you're saying there we'll, we'll end up with that there are some things there that are good and there may be some things to come to but our major development was wednesday night um hard to take your eyes off of as it happened my wife made a cameo <laughs> on a commercial, actually not a commercial, coming back from a commercial, a, a spot sponsored by E-Trade, and a crowd shot she's very proud of with one of her friends and her um, from the tournament games in Buffalo, I believe, in 2017. And she's wondering if she's due royalties. Good point. Uh, and now she's adamant that she's going to make the crowd shots in one shiny moment this year because as it tracks right now, West Virginia going to be a high enough seed to have a favorable location, which probably means Cleveland her and all her – uh, friends and rowdies can get up there and make a scene in the stands again and get on TV. So she lives for that dream of being in the one shining moment. And now she's got a taste and she's going to be unbearable, but in the crowd tonight, certainly plenty for people to cheer about 76 to 51 is the final score. Excuse me, not 76 to 51, 76 to 61. It tracked to be a 25 point game for a long time, but West Virginia, Larry mode and curly that for a while to where the finish and didn't leave everybody terribly happy with the way it went, but good signs, Some typical West Virginia, some bad West Virginia, but pretty much what a team that is aiming for a top spot and maybe even the conference championship is supposed to do at home against an overmatched team.
1: You want to know what the best stat for West Virginia was tonight? Hit me. They were outscored on the bench points at Iowa State. I believe that – I have to go back and check, but I have to think that that's either the first time all season or if not, it's only happened – a couple other times all year and I get that that's not great for you know say McBride who's coming into a couple games now where he's not been shooting well um, still not getting much from Sherman or Napper uh, or any of those guys McNeil was out but it was a great sign for the starters who had really just been having a, a bad go of it the last couple games particularly uh, Jermaine Haley who had 11 points Emmett Matthews had 12 points, and they both did other things. Haley seven rebounds, five assists. Matthews four rebounds, showed a little uh, uh, a little extra uh, bounce in his step, and, and it looked good. And, and when talking about the point guards after the game, Huggins singled out McCabe as doing. I mean, let's not say he praised him, but said he was okay, he was fine, <laughs> and 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 couldn't say the same for the other point guards on the team. So yeah, it was a good sign. Uh, the best possible, I think, outcome for West Virginia in this game that they should have won, and just kind of hoping that maybe this gives them a little spark for those three guys in that starting perimeter role that that had been struggling.
0: Yeah, I like everything about this, everything you just said, but everything about this, because if you're sitting down and you're sketching out the game beforehand, you say, well, this is a team that allows the most points and the highest field goal percentage. Big 12 games, overall games, that's Iowa State. You should be able to shoot 50 percent you should be able to press 80 points you should have a decided rebounding advantage and you should have points from all over the floor um most of that worked out the starting lineup gets 57 points which is above average really for for what we've seen of late but 76 they probably should have gotten to 80 um but again they just kind of stumbled where the finish. shot 50 percent 6 of 22 from 3 is discouraging 12 of 24 is not great obviously at the foul line but 46-28 in the rebounding margin, um, kept Iowa State to under 40%, didn't let them take a lot of threes, even in a game that they were trailing for much of it, precisely what's supposed to happen. But do you have concerns that, man, they just can't get the Sherman-Napper-McNeil trio to assert itself consistently? Obviously, McNeil's out tonight, so who knows? Maybe it's not fair, but Osaboyan Didn't seem like he had nearly as impactful a game as always. Um, McBride, let's talk about McBride. Freshman wall, just the natural other side of the coin after scoring double digits in 9 of 11 games. Where do you think this is?
1: Uh, Right now, I'm just chalking it up to a couple games. I don't think it's enough to get overly concerned about yet. Um, You know, it was just, what, a week and a half ago that – he was had 15 points in in the win over Missouri. Um, I, I don't think in less than a month from that big Texas Tech game, I, it's just a couple games. I wouldn't be too concerned about it yet. Um, but you know, you add another game or two on here, and then I might get, get concerned. But right now, no,
0: no big deal. It's worth watching, though. He's missed eight of his last 10 threes across the last three games, and he was the team's best three-point shooter. He was over 41% and was getting better. Um, Just five shots tonight, and he usually takes over toward the end of games, and he'll get his eight, nine, 10 shots. Only five, played just 18 minutes, and not a shot doctor, but it just looks like he's leaving things short, and maybe he doesn't have that hop on his step, but he's a guy that Give himself a lot of time in the air when he shoots that mid-range stuff because he does get up and he can position his body. He's good. And, you know, maybe this late into the season, eh, perhaps he has a, a bad weight, like you said. This is curious and, and at the same time, hilarious, because I wrote on Wednesday about how the freshmen are dealing with their bodies. And he was the one who said, nah, I'm good. I played 29 games a year in high school. This is nothing. And it made it all seem like that there were nothing to worry about here. but. Here we are talking about how it it might be a concern too, but here's my other question for you, and I'm going to write about this perhaps today, so maybe you've read this before, but they've looked for help on that second guard off the bench, and we've talked about the players that they've rotated already. um, Sherman, McNeil, Knapper, Harler, and there's been ups and downs and triumphs and frustrations for every one of them. Here's my question. What if Harler's good? I'm ready to call it,
1: you mean chase the microwave harler coming off the bench, firing away Uh little And then when he misses a three, goes into a wild spin move into the lane, ready to go up over somebody. I, I, I joke about that, but I loved everything I saw from him today. The aggressiveness, the shooting, uh, you know, he, he had a, a couple makes and then he missed that one open three. It got blocked and he was right back there, ready to shoot again. And. That wild spinning one uh, that went around the rim four or five times before it dropped in, I liked what I saw from the day, and and this has been a regular thing for a few weeks now. So, so I think you know it's it, it's moving past an anomaly, becoming a trend, and maybe just how it is. Maybe he is the best, second best guy off the bench.
0: He gives you quality minutes too. He's not going to screw things up. I mean, he may throw the ball to the other team. He may chase a guy out of the basket. It's not going to happen off him. And he's going to outnumber negatives of positives. And if you get that for 18, 24 minutes a game, that's great, especially in March. I think my the asterisk I want to give this, though, is that, you know, again, you may not get the 14 points, the five baskets, the three threes every night. If that happened, I mean, we're going to start looking at hotels in Atlanta. But if he's offensive, in addition to, I think, a reliable level of defense individually, defense as a team concept, and then moving without the ball and being able to move the ball on offense— if he's giving you the threat of the perimeter and he can bounce and score, he can cut and score, and he's giving you, I mean, let's just say he's giving you 8 to 10 and night consistently. With everything else he does, that answers a major question for them. On the perimeter, on the bench, one game to the next. It's an if, I get that, but you see this with guys who see the end of the tunnel, at the end of the light, well, you see this with guys who see the light at the end of the tunnel, and he's already talking about, you know, I've only got nine games left. I only have four more left at the Coliseum. The clock's already ticking in his head right now, and you're seeing a bit of urgency with him, I think.
1: And I think he's – what he brings, those, those his best aspects, at least on offense, are exactly what this team needs because they struggle with the outside shot, and he seems to be picking it up there. He's always been a, a decent shooter, a good shooter, um, maybe sometimes better in practice than he is in the game, but it's picking up lately, and – spacing Uh, obviously you shoot outside you give a little more spacing but he moves so well Uh, so often we see these guys standing around in this offense and being kind of stagnant and huggins is running a whole three-man weave kind of offense simply just this kind of stuff you run in middle school just to get guys to move without the ball to try to get open to uh, make defenders move and harler does that on his own he's i feel like he's one of the few on this team that actually does so he brings these things that that Huggins is begging for, that that he needs, that this offense needs, and he does them already. So I think it's, uh, you know, he's fitting in well with what West Virginia needs offensively.
0: Yeah, twenty-eight points, seven for sixteen from three in the last three games. And again, if that happens in three game sets the rest of the season, that's a big, big deal too. And I want to mention this because not because I think he's good right now. I mean, we've seen. We've seen the one for six from three, Harlow. We've seen the, you know, has a hard time on one end of the floor, Harlow. I get that. That'll happen. It could happen again. But this game Saturday is really, really big to them and to him. Um, it seems weird, but this is a team that won at Pitt, that won in Cancun, that won in Oklahoma State. But it feels like they really need a road win. And it's going to take guys like that to direct traffic in a crowded, in a crowded, noisy place, to make a shot when the other team is making a run, to make a shot, to draw closer, draw even, get ahead. And if you got a guy who's willing, never mind able to do that, again, that answer is something that they're still asking still.
2: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Well,
1: I was so sorry. I was looking at something else here. I was trying to see what, uh, what McBride was shooting over there. Yeah, you're right. One of ten of the last three games. And, and Harler, going back to his... Past couple of years, I, I, you said 7-16 to 16, the last three games from three. That's just getting him back to where he's been shooting for his career at West Virginia, I think, is the only concern I have. Or, or not concern, but why I wouldn't get too overly excited just just yet. Because I know I just said he was, he's doing well and he's what this team needs, but he's still shooting just 31% from three. And that's right on pace with what he's done all four years at West Virginia. So. I don't know if this seven for 16 pace can keep up.
0: It is the first time in his career he has made multiple threes in three straight games.
1: Turn in a the corner then.
0: Yeah. So again, win is sometimes, um, pardon me, second time. Uh, early in last season, he did, but still not something that happens very often. He's on the floor more. I get that too, but still, that's what's supposed to happen. I guess that, um, I don't know. Maybe he's finding the way here too. Matthews. Haley, they also get it going. Um, this is chicken and egg and gas, I guess, but Harler is assertive. He's stretching defenses. Those two are different players who go outside in. Uh, I do think that Haley and Matthews were probably, well, I don't know if they were the chicken or the egg, because I guess that depends. But they got it going early, and then Harler and guys kind of took advantage of it. Made the most for later on, too. But as far as table setters, Haley, Matthews, really effective early on in this one.
1: I thought everybody was really aggressive, and of course, it helps that Iowa State's pretty darn horrible at defense and rebounding um, and a lot of things, to be quite honest, from watching this game. But it it doesn't matter if you don't take advantage of it. And I think uh, you know Huggins kind of instilled in them in practice or talked about it before the game. You got to be aggressive against these guys. You got to attack the basket. You got to take your open shots when you get them and you got to crash the crash the glass. A lot of that is true for most games, but when you're facing a team that that struggles like Iowa State does defensively, you need to make the most of it. And and they did.
0: Do you find anything discouraging about this? I will read you a quote from Huggins after the game that you kind of knew was coming. He says, "Honestly, I'm having a hard time finding anything really positive to come out of this other than who won. We've spent 10 minutes talking about good things today, good things in the future." Um, good things that may still yet be, he is obviously not going to be as optimistic, but he seems pretty sour about what happened last night.
1: 19 turnovers against a pretty bad defensive team. I think that, that sticks out to me. The 12 missed free throws, and it was, it was everybody. Uh, it was not just Culver, uh, although Culver, God, he's going to drive me nuts. Uh, after all that talk about that routine and and me going through his his film and watching his free throws and Doing one dribble, two dribbles, not looking at the basket. Sometimes doing it, sometimes not. Uh, Today he did two dribbles on one, three dribbles on the next one. Looking up between each dribble, looking down as he's dribbling each time. Oh, it's driving me nuts. Uh, I I thought we had turned a corner when he went what fourteen or sixteen just a couple games ago, but obviously not. And uh, a little concerning that you know he goes two of five, and McCabe one of two, Haley three of six, Sheboy two of four. Napper 0-1, Osavoyan 1-2, Route 0-1, just a a lot of guys missing a lot of free throws here.
0: Here's a fun hypothetical for you. Um, You're up by two with four seconds left in the Big 12 semifinal, the second round of the NCAA tournament. You have to get the ball in, and you've got to make the front end of a 1-1 and ideally two free throws. I'm not asking you to get the ball to. I'm asking you who are the five players you put in the floor. And realistically, who are the four you put on the floor? Because only one of them is going to get it in that amount of time. But you have a hard time figuring out who those guys are.
1: Uh, McCabe McBride. I'm going. Those are my two guards for sure. Oh uh, man, Matthews.
0: He was good today. He hasn't been great.
1: It's a yeah. hard thing.
0: I mean, it's it's hard to get five. I think. Um, I mean, let's not yeah. even talk about the inbound. That could be tricky. But like, some that, that may give a guy. A value there i get that but so four on the floor is maybe a little bit easier than five but it's going to come up they're going to have to do this at some point in left in the regular season in the big 12 tournament in the ncaa tournament and very curious how that goes they haven't had to do that yet um but that's going to be something important too um saturday if they lose at oklahoma big 12 regular season championship is definitely done we've already handicapped that and said it's not going to happen they vehemently disagree say it can happen but um I don't want to call it a must-win, but for a team that just hasn't played well on the road lately, how significant is this on a scale of, uh, I don't know, Penn State in the preseason to, I don't know, first-round opponent in the NCAA tournament?
1: Yeah, it's forget the Big 12 title thing. I'm with you on that. Uh, we talked about it. Uh, it. That's over with even even if it's not mathematically over with. But getting that kind of confidence of winning on the road against a halfway decent team it could mean a lot down the road. So I, I would say Saturday is a very important game.
0: If not, it makes the TCU-Texas back-to-back really difficult right. uh, a week later, too. Um, last question for you here. There's been a good football video out of players playing dodgeball in the offseason. And I wrote also on Tuesday about some of the frustrations the basketball team had and how they were kind of cranky after they got back late after the loss to Texas Tech, had kind of a light day where they couldn't work out their aggression on the floor, had a practice Friday beat Kansas State. Um, so somebody asked on the board, and I forget who, so my apologies, but, you know, they should just let them play dodgeball and work out that aggression. I thought, wow, what a great idea. That would have been pretty fun for them to do on Thursday. You're picking teams for dodgeball on the basketball roster because we love our hypotheticals here. Who is your first pick?
1: Oscar. I think he's athletic enough that he might be able to dodge a few. And he's physically strong enough that I think he could, uh, you know, whiz that ball a good 80, 90 miles an hour at your head.
0: Interesting. Wrong answer. It's actually (laughs) Culver. He's left-handed, so he's going to have some natural or unnatural spin in that that's going to deceive people. And also, he's going to get hit, and no one's going to call him out because the fouls never get called on him.
1: <laughs> oh, you set yourself up for that one, huh?
0: I did. Hey, let's talk football. Speaking of, before we go here, too, uh, two signatures are in. Running back, bandit, two of the needs we thought. one um, a player they had to have and one a player they really wanted to have. But yet, there's still some room left for things to be done, and there's some some chatter, some buzz about possibilities here. Uh, this is not a answer this briefly, but... Can you answer this briefly? What what happened and what still happens?
1: Pretty much what we expected. Uh, you know, various Sparrow, the running back was already verbally committed. And for whatever reason, like I said, I've been trying to get some behind the scenes info on this to figure out what was going on, because it raised a few eyebrows when he was quite literally the only recruit in this entire class and the next class so far to not receive, a, you know, a let's go kind of tweet barrage from everybody on the staff and I think we all agree that that this staff pays attention to that kind of stuff that's not something they're going to overlook that it's not a coincidence that they didn't do that there was a reason and I was trying to figure that out to see if there might have been a, something coming up that maybe he wasn't signing uh, and I was told he's committed but it's complicated and so I was Waiting to see. I was expecting him to sign, but I wasn't 100% sure on that. Uh, It was good to see his signature come in early because I think he has some high potential and they desperately needed a running back in this class. And then Eddie Watkins, the linebacker from Alabama, he had told the coaching staff two weeks ago that he was going to be a Mountaineer. And I don't know how you really take that uh, because he said that and then immediately went on two more trips to two other schools. Um, So I wouldn't count that as any kind of commitment, but I had spoken with him on Monday morning uh, as the readers of our site saw uh, had already done the full interview with him about his commitment. So I felt like it was kind of old news. that It was going to happen. And then you get the tweets from Al Pogue, his lead recruiter, Jordan Leslie, uh, kind of a co-lead recruiter there. And then a few little uh, emojis with the the, making the shush sign and, and acting like it was a big secret kind of had me thinking it, it wasn't Watkins they were talking about, that it might be something new. Later came out and confirmed that it was Watkins with some of their follow-up tweets. So uh, a brief um, kind of uh, a spurt there where everybody thought maybe something was happening, maybe something out of the blue was happening, because I did kind of put that out there that something was up. I felt like there was uh, more to it. I was told that, there might've been more people on campus than I might've had on my official visitor list. No. Yeah, it's, it's true. (laughs) And uh, so I didn't know where that was going to go, where it could come from. I was, I was prepared there for about a couple hours for just about anything. Um, But then it ended up being nothing. It ended up being exactly what we predicted. And that was that. A couple of the kids that we said would not be cleared to sign. Uh, that uh, West Virginia was not going to take commitments from, like Jordan Ingram um, did not announce today. James Thomas is still wait and see, and he pushed his decision back. So really no surprises on a day that I thought there could be a surprise. Did
0: Thomas push his back because of weather?
1: That is what he said in his tweet, yes. And I, I'm not familiar with what the weather was down in Georgia today. Uh, somebody on our board who is down there did say that there was a lot of rain and flood watch out. Uh, so, hey, we, we won't make any assumptions about anything with that.
0: So, what's left as far as numbers and names? Then you've mentioned two there, but it doesn't sound like either one of those is a given. Um, but certainly they want to use all these numbers. And we mentioned possibilities that could be further down the road after even spring ball, too. But how do you foresee this shaking out?
1: So there's at least two more spots. I think we confirmed back in December, 22. There were 22 spots in this class. Uh, Right now, there are 20 kids signed. Uh, A couple of the guys I just mentioned, just to kind of keep a little bit of an eye on. And then offensive lineman Jacob Gamble remains verbally committed. Um, He committed back in June, was supposed to enroll early, wasn't able to graduate at that time. They pushed everything back. He was supposed to officially visit in January and sign in February, but didn't. Uh, I checked today, and as of right now, he's still considered a verbal commitment on both sides, from Gamble's camp and from Morgantown. He is still considered a verbal commitment. So, I, my understanding, my assumption here is that we're kind of going to wait and see what happens and see if more options come about or if he's going to graduate in May and when he's going to be available to enroll. And see how much he can actually help this team because he does not have a red shirt available, which kind of limits his possibilities. Um, and then after that, I think it's it's going to be transfer portal time. They've already said back in December that they had those couple spots. And then after that, they're going to get, quote, creative, just like they did last class with transfers, late Juco guys. Uh, anything they can add that they feel will actually you know add value to this team, not only this year, but in the future without taking away too much uh, from future classes. So I, I fully expect them to explore a few options at a couple positions, um, maybe another running back, certainly offensive line. And I would say cornerback too. You know, they made a late junior college offer at cornerback
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and that didn't pan out. So obviously I think they're still focusing on that spot as well.
0: Big name in the portal with connections to West Virginia via Penn State. I don't think he'd be immediately eligible, but certainly there's a logical connection there. Tell me about that one.
1: Yeah, Ricky Slade, former five-star recruit out of Virginia, Woodbridge. He uh, West Virginia, the, the previous staff, was one of the first uh, coaching staffs to offer him. He visited West Virginia numerous times. Uh, he obviously ended up at Penn State, where Gerard Parker was. I'm not aware of them him being his lead recruiter or anything, but that is still a connection. They, they still obviously uh, interact. With other coaches on the staff, not just their position coach, and he was also being recruited and had UNC in his top, I think it's three or five. I can't really recall right now, but that's where Chad Scott was at the time, albeit as a tight ends coach. So there are some, you know, I wouldn't say extremely strong ties, but it's something to keep an eye. A lot of of uh, kind of secondary ties from different angles that it might be something to keep an eye on.
0: So basically stay tuned yes and regret if you didn't jump on that 60 percent offer bob Herzl was all over it at the <laughs> game last night too and if he's not influencing the hearts and minds what are we even doing right
1: mm-hmm.
0: what are we doing we're wrapping up right now we will be back uh, before you know a previewing the weekend and then maybe even announcing some more news about who is and who isn't coming and when that might be decided but for now that's all So let's sign off here. I am Mike Casazza.
1: And I'm Chris Anderson.
0: We will talk to you later.